Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, contrary to when you came into my stream last night with me raging about how much I hated this garbage format, I do think that I like THB. I think we didn't give it a fair shake at the start of last time around, and my my upwards trajectory of the format is continuing, coming back to it. I think this is a good format. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. You did utter the sweetest words I've ever heard you say, which is, I think I just hate best of one. I think that's what it is. That's what you said on stream last night, and I was like... He finally gets it. He finally sees the light. Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, when I went back and listened to our 50 Takes episode, one of the things that we said was that you know maybe the drafting wasn't so fun, but the gameplay in the format was great. And I hadn't remembered that, but that has definitely been part of my experience this week or this weekend is that the gameplay in the format is great. But also one of the things we said was we were like just kind of behind the curve the whole time. Like we felt like we just didn't like we didn't see the rap and flames, red, white, heroic deck before other people did we didn't see the like sleep of the dead blue tempo deck before other people did we didn't see the thrill of possibility travelers amulet deck before other people did like we just took a while to catch up and i think now coming at it with all of that knowledge has felt pretty good yeah i agree i think we didn't understand the format and we're losing a lot and we were losing a lot not because the format was bad but because we weren't engaging with the format in the right ways in the ways that you need to draft the format to be successful. And I do think, you know, coming back to it, that the gameplay is absolutely outstanding. There's so many things about push and pull that I think we'll get to a little deeper. But I have really had a blast playing the games and managing resources in the games as well. Yeah, and sequencing stuff to like get constellation triggers or understanding like if you want to get this thing in the graveyard for escape or whatever, like it's just a really, there's just a lot to think about, you know? Well, and you had said that we previously were of the opinion that the drafts were not fun. Compared to SNC, <laughs> being able to draft 10 color pairs is a blast. I don't know. I have had a fine time in the drafts so far. Well, and I've also felt quite, I mean, one of the words that you have here with an exclamation mark on it early in our show notes is agency. Um, and I've definitely felt that way in the drafts as well. Like navigating them has felt quite easy and I haven't been frustrated, even though the common power level is quite low, right? Like a lot of the cards beyond, you know, the busto rares or uncommons or whatever aren't great, but I've still found like reading signals to be uh, pretty easy or like the reading signals rewards you in terms of finding your lane. And I think we'll see that a little bit later when we get to the full 45 round table that you have for us. It's just been, there's been a lot of decisions and I agree like hashtag delay the decision getting deep in one color. My goodness. How fun is that? Yeah. Feels good, man. So we're going to be doing more Theros Beyond Death content here. We're going to do some more update stuff, talk about our experience with the format this weekend, and then we'll dive into a full 45. I, I messaged Ben this week. I was like, well, what should we do? You know, maybe we could talk about your big score affinity and, and some Streets of New Capenna stuff. And Ben said, no, SNC is dead. Let's do Theros Beyond Death. So <laughs> here we go. We're going to be doing that. Uh, but before we get into that, a few housekeeping things. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Of course, the show is always free, but we got some perks on the Patreon page for folks who want to give back. Uh, you get access to our amazing Discord. Shout out to our mods. Shout out to our fantastic community over in the Discord. It's just awesome awesome place to be. Um, we've also got some perks like getting the episode a day early, getting access to some show notes, getting access to a private section of the Discord, and even getting access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben, depending on how high up on the reward tiers you want to go. And of course, we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join. And this week, we're welcoming Carlton, Ryan, Joseph, and Jory. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. 
Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need, Magic the Gathering related, or Flesh and Blood, or Pokemon, if you are a multi-game gamer. But assuming you're here for the Magic, we've got a bunch of new products coming out, including Double Masters, which previews for that are in full swing, and Channel Fireball already has pre-orders for Double Masters product available on their website. So if you want sealed product, if you want singles, make sure you head on over to channelfireball.com. Use the marketplace. You can support your LGS while doing stuff over at Channel Fireball, which is super sweet. And all these new formats coming out, you know, Alchemy Horizons is going to be digital only on Arena. So if you want strategy content for that and you're not on CFB Pro, you can get articles from me, Ethan, Alex to add to your podcast knowledge that you're getting every week and make sure you use code LOL all caps when you do for anything over at Channel Fireball so that they know that we sent you over there. And I want to shout this out. We we don't often talk about this, but I am currently uh, sporting my three quarter baseball tee with the Lords of Limited logo on it. I'm sipping coffee out of my Lords of Limited mug. And if you want some Lords of Limited merch, you can head on over to our website. We've got a merch link there. So courtesy of T Public, we've got a lot of really cool stuff, uh, stuff over there for you if you want to want to get some Lords of Limited swag to sport at your LGS. You got spotted out in the wild, right? I did. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I went. Uh, I went to meet a friend at a bar, and I sat down at the bar, set my phone down, and I have a Lords Limited sticker on the back of my phone. I set my phone down in the bar to look at the menu, and the bartender went, "Oh, Lords Limited," and I was like, "Yeah." He was. I was like, "Are you a, a Magic player?" He was like, "Yeah, I am." I was like, "Do you listen to the podcast?" He's like, "I have." I was like, "I'm the guy. I'm one. Of, I'm one of the guys. <laughs> I am the Lord. <laughs> I am the Lord." Yeah, that was very, very cool. Um, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit more about Theros Beyond Death. What's going on? We don't, unfortunately, have any data to look at. Is it just me and you drafting Theros, Ben? <laughs> there seems to be a <laughs> lack of data coming in. So maybe this is not the episode to be doing, but this is what I'm passionate about at the moment. So yeah. this is what we're, what we're doing. And it seems like there's about 13,000 games played so far from the data, and it is not particularly usable. I went on there last night about midnight, and Triumphant Surge came in at the number two game in hand. Win rate <laughs> common for white, which is three and a white instant destroy target creature power four greater and something, some other trinket text. But that is not even close to playable. Yeah, I totally agree. That's wild. It does have Dream Trawler as uh, the best overall game in hand win rate card in the set. So maybe it knows what's up a little bit there. But uh, but yeah, have you had the chance to play with or against Dream Trawler yet? Are you setting me up here? I savaged Dream Trawler last night with my Thassa's Oracle self mill deck. My opponent played Dream Trawler. I assume they thought they were sitting pretty, milled my whole library, and won the game with Thassa's Oracle's alternate win condition. Felt good, man. How did that deck perform overall? Very well. And it was a bad version of that deck, honestly. You like rate so Ben like was was getting pretty salty. He I don't know what happened. You had like a deck that you thought was gonna do well and then it didn't do well. And then just like Rage entered a new draft and then Pack One picked one Thassa's Oracle and just was like, I'm forcing this. Just like <laughs> making like bobbing and weaving, taking like thrill of possibility over removal, taking uh binding of the old gods, is that what it's called? The the green saga that mills you, just like on the splash. It was it was a, a wild ride. I loved it. I think it's binding of the titans, maybe. There it is. Binding what was I thinking of? The thing from Kaldheim. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, okay. Tough. It's tough to keep track of all these names, you know. <laughs> I'm doing my best. But yeah, that wasn't even a good version of that deck. And that card is very good if you get a good shell to support it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of your fave build arounds for sure. OK, so no, no data, but but let's uh, let's keep moving on. Like, what, what do we think? Do we do we peg things pretty well last week? Do you feel like any surprises from drafting this weekend? I don't remember exactly what we said about the order of the top commons, but I think 
overall, I feel good about my common pick order that I have in my head, which I assume is very similar to last week and just overall strategy in the format. I do feel very comfortable coming back to the format. And part of that is black has been underdrafted a fair amount in the drafts I've done. I'm probably like eight or nine drafts deep at this point. Mm. And I've drafted black a lot. And so my decks have been very good. But I think I feel comfortable drafting white red aggro or blue red tempo. So much of the hurdle for me in the format was wrapping my brain around what was actually playable and what was actually good, despite not necessarily even passing the vanilla test or something. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that someone pointed out in our Discord was that, like, maybe one of the reasons we didn't like Theris Beyond Death at the start or when it came out was because it was nestled between a lot of our favorites. I mean, like, it came off the heels of Throne of Eldraine and then was followed by Aquaria, which are, I think, my top two formats that are available on Arena and perhaps my top two formats overall ever. And, like, War of the Spark was uh, earlier in the year, like, before Eldraine. Like, we just had a run of really good formats. And then Theris Beyond Death felt totally different in terms of the rules of engagement, right? Like one of the things that I think is a feature, not a bug of the format looking back on it is how weak the commons are, right? How starkly that power level drops off. And if you look at that as a feature, not a bug, and like that part of how to draft the format or how to engage with the format is to, you know, just recognize what cards matter and maximizing them a lot or like figuring out, okay, this is a weak card, but it's a two drop. And like, maybe that is a signal or whatever, you know? Or it's a weak card, but if you get enough synergy between your weak cards, you can also do things as well. Something like Transcendent Envoy, the one and a white, one, two flyer that mm. makes your aura spells cost one less to cast. Like that is a terrible Magic the Gathering card, right? Right. But in white decks, if you build your white decks well, it is a good card in a way that you can close out the game and you can put Sentinel's Eyes on it to turn it into a two-powered flyer and it makes your Dread Flapathies only cost two. And then the other enchantments that you want to put in your deck trigger your pious wayfarers and all these things work together to make transcendent envoy actually worth a card whereas if you don't build with synergy it's not worth a card and i think i was looking at so many of the cards on face value rather than how i could combine them to make a cohesive strategy yeah that's a really really good point i I agree i want to touch on you know you're saying that black has been very open for you that has not been my experience i haven't drafted black once and i'm what seven drafts deep and but i have been white in every single one of my drafts. (laughs) Um, White has felt really underdrafted to me, just getting like late Dreadflapathies or Pious Wayfarers or or whatever, like Heliod's Pilgrims I've found to be really good. I've definitely had a a handful of versions of red-white heroic decks to varying degrees of success. One of my decks trophied and then a couple five threes, so pretty pretty well there. Um, But yeah, I've been been enjoying the format. I would like to draft black. That would be fun. I'd like to like to do some black green escape at some point if I can, but I'm happy with it so far. I think anecdotally from what I've seen in the discord as well, it seems like black has been contested for a lot of folks. So maybe I have just been lucky. Um, But yeah, I think coming back to it, you had mentioned agency. That is the thing that feels the absolute best to me about this format right now. And I would assume that would feel true about most limited formats compared to SNC. But Mm -hmm. the ability to bob and weave during the draft, because I think that is something that both you and I are passionate about and enjoy doing whether or not it is necessary. sometimes, (laughs) And just getting to do that and move into another color for a three drop or a four drop that's powerful and not feel like I can't because it's not a two drop or I'm not going to be able to pick up enough two drops over the course of the draft. Mm -hmm. That just feels so refreshing. I have felt a bit of a 
two drop problem ish in the format. Not that there like aren't two drops, but that a lot of them are kind of junky. Like, I mean, you mentioned Transcendent Envoy as a two mana one two flyer that can end up being good. But you know, a lot of times, you know, what are you picking up? Elysian Carry Added. I know you're now a big. You're like, wow, Skola Grove Dancer is like overperforming, and I totally agree with that. As the that's the one in a green two two. Uh, it's an enchantment creature, and whenever a land enters your graveyard from your library, you gain a life, and you can pay two in a green to self mill, which is just awesome. At dig- I had a deck the other day that was green white and it had Elspeth, and there was like a point in the game where I was like, I just need to find Elspeth, and because it has escape, I could just like turbo mill myself every turn, just like pumping you know six mana, nine mana into those Grove Dancers. That card's awesome, but I've definitely felt like got to make sure I have two drops for a functional deck and just want to make sure that I'm picking those up appropriately. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you still have to have a good curve, but it's not to the level of SNC yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. just dead if you don't play a two drop, most likely. No, I totally agree with that for sure. I think the other thing that's been sweet is that removal is good and interacting with your opponent is good and holding on to your removal and saving it for the things that you really have to have removal. The format's kind of old school in that way, in that like, you know, if you have your final death four and a black uh, instant speed exile target creature and you snap that off on your opponent's good card, but not great card to push damage before the game's closed out and then maybe they stick a bomb and you get really punished for firing off your removal too soon. Now, sometimes you are still supposed to fire off that final death and knowing when to push and when to be patient, all of that is a huge part of the gameplay of the format that I have really enjoyed. Yeah, I've had so much more removal in my decks this weekend than I have, I feel like, in all of like previous sets and all of Streets and probably all of Neon Dynasty where we kept being like, removal doesn't matter or like not that it doesn't matter but you don't need to prioritize it because it's all sort of interchangeable the removal is is synergistic maybe that's what it is right is that like all the removal like Meyer's grasp and Eros's blessing and even warbriar's blessing the fact that they're all enchantments and they synergize with you know maybe you've got your your hateful eidolon and your what is it dawn evangel that care about like oh you put a Meyer's grasp on something and then it died and that means you get to draw a card or you get to return a creature with mana value two or less from your graveyard to your hand that sort of thing like that the removal is synergistic beyond just, um, okay, kill a thing dead, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it feels great. And I think, and I think with regard to gameplay, the thing that I have enjoyed the most is the push and pull of the games. And just knowing you really get rewarded in the format for understanding when the game is going to end. Like if the game's going to end in one turn or two turns, or if the game's going to go on for 10 turns. Like if you try to push early and invest resources in doing damage to your opponent and aren't successfully closing out the game quickly, you really get punished for throwing away resources, I think, in this format. So many of the games are a battle of resource superiority. And then the ones that aren't, like knowing when to just throw away resources to try to close the game out when you're going to be outmatched in resources is really fun. Have you noticed your opponents making mistakes in that regard? Have you been like picking up equity there? Yes, absolutely. There are times where people are making attacks when they just well, the game's not going to end. Like there's just no reason to be attacking like we should be staring at each other. I think people just get impatient. And that happened to me a lot at the GP too. I was remembering that playing Mm. these games like remembering back to GP New Jersey, like just thinking yeah, people are impatient sometimes in this format. And I do think you really have to be patient or know when you are actually advantaged making attacks. Yeah, it's a it's a big grind for sure. And I think recognizing, okay, this is a game that's going to be grindy and recognizing then like what are the things you have to know your deck pretty well, too, right? You have to know, okay, I do have two exile removal spells left 
for this card, or I only have this one, so let me make sure I'm firing it off on something that like really needs to be dead for good, like an escape creature, that sort of thing. Well, and sometimes too, pushing early lets your opponent make trades and then they have escape cards and you're turning on like you trying to close out the game actually fuels your opponent's escape cards and then you end up making it so that you're never going to win the game because you let them put things in the graveyard you know that's one of the reasons that dreadful apathy is so good not only because it exiles but like you don't even have to exile it you get to kill the thing or remove the thing with that pacifism variant and then you don't have to worry about it going to the graveyard i faced a lot of phoenix of ash the past few days and it's just nice to be able to go like why don't you just chill on the battlefield for a minute and then i'll exile (laughs) you later but like it's so disastrous especially when it's an escape three to like send something to the graveyard it's so dangerous you have to like i'm constantly checking how many cards are in my opponent's graveyard yeah i've really enjoyed that aspect of the format coming back to it okay so we've touched on the commons being pretty terrible i think beyond like you know those top removal spells or whatever but do we think that's a con for the format i'm kind of like i said i'm kind of seeing that as a feature not a bug i agree this time around last time around i would have said that was a negative feature of the format, but I'm appreciating it a lot. And maybe it's just because it's new and different from SNC, but I think that is part of what makes the format the format. And it it dictates how you have to engage with the format. And it's really unique in that way. It, it's different than Vow to me, like because there are a lot of good rares in both formats. Right. But the commons here are definitely worse than the commons in Vow, I think, for the most part. And I think there's a lot of loose synergy that you get rewarded for picking up on and trying to maximize. And I think it's just a different kind of puzzle. And I uh, I appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I agree with that. That sort of like idea of synergistic commons rather than bad commons, like definitely with all of the white decks I've drafted. So certainly like red, white, heroic, knowing, okay, which cards, how many cards that say heroic do I want to have before I'm starting to put like whatever kinds of ways to target like a Karametra's Blessing or whatever the, the three mana flash enchantment that gives plus two plus oh and first strike when it ETBs, um, that sort of thing. I think uh, aspect of Manticore, is that what it's called? Um, and then th- there's just like awesome ways of thinking about, okay, how many like auras do I want when I'm in green white to turn on Siona, which is also like not a great card, but can be good, can accrue card advantage, that sort of thing. Um, I definitely started to feel or certainly felt this time around a lot better about grabbing those cards and knowing where they slot in best. Yes. And I think if we're talking cons, some of the games are really uninteractive. Looking at you, Staggering Insight, which is the (laughs) the blue-white uncommon, and this is the winningest uncommon right now on 17 lands. But again, and this was a great uncommon uh, last time around as well. I don't know if it's going to end up being the top as we get more data, but it's blue-white. It's their gold card. Um, And I say there because my opponents have had it, and I have not had it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it uh, is an aura that you put on a creature, and whenever the creature deals combat damage, you draw a card, and the creature gets lifelink as well. And plus one, plus one. Yeah, and plus one, plus one. What a card, yeah. So the strategy with Staggering Insight is to stick that on a creature and then protect it with cards like Karametra's Blessing, which is the single white combat trick that gives a creature plus two, plus two, and hexproof indestructible. So basically, your thing is just not dying if you can hold up a Karametra's Blessing. And then a lot of times, you counter your opponent's one removal spell that they fired at your creature with that, and then just snowball the game. So stuff like that is frustrating to lose to. I've been there. That's what was happening to me when you came in and I was raging against the format on stream. And I think some games are going to be invalidated by a busted rare that you don't have some of your many removal spells for. And the game's just going to be over because the rares are powerful and they can end the game really quickly. But I think if you accept that some portion of games are going to go that way, whatever, like 10%, 15%, 
20% of games are going to go that way. The other 80% of games are really good and really fun. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that you can do to protect your creature with Staggering Insight is the Starlet Mantle. That's the one in a blue flash aura that gives a creature plus and plus one and hexproof the turn it comes into play. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, you also think about it, obviously we won't get this sort of like, you know, variance to be smoothed out over just a week of drafts of the format. But, you know, you're going to have rares that invalidate the game as much as your opponents will have rares. Unless you're Ben. Ben will never have good rares that invalidate <laughs> Or I the won't game. draw them. Something, yeah, you will know. never draw them. Yeah, exactly. But but for the rest of us, we'll have as many of those games in our favor as they will be against our favor. So I think you, you do sort of accept that. And then I agree, the rest of the games have felt pretty darn good, even in best of one. Yeah, and I think I just, after playing it again, I stand by, you know, kind of where we were last week on all our common rankings and the gameplay and what's good and what's not. It's felt sweet. The only thing I haven't really done yet that we talked about last week was going super deep on like an amulet thrill deck where, you know, you're you're trying to turn through your deck with thrill of possibilities and then use traveler's amulets to fix your mana. I really would like to do that sort of strategy, but it just hasn't been necessary for me yet. Yes, I would like to do that, too, but I haven't felt like I need to because as I assume you have with your good, you know, black decks being open, they're like. The white decks that I've been drafting, they've just felt felt really open. I don't feel like I have to like, oh, no, I like started with this rare. I got pushed off the color and now I have to like cobble together something that hasn't hasn't been the case yet. No train wrecks yet. Right. Um, a couple quick tips that I just wanted to touch on. I've definitely had opponents make these mistakes. Uh, Incendiary Oracle Exiles, right? The one in a red 2-2 uh, that has smoke breathing whenever it deals damage to a creature. If it dies this turn, you exile it instead. So that's not only relevant for trading with escape creatures, but also invalidating death triggers. So like Anax, Hardened in the Forge, for example, the one red red 2-3 enchantment, one red red star 3 enchantment creature with power equal to your uh, devotion to red. And then whenever a non-token creature you control dies, you get a 1-1 Seder that can't block well none of your creatures are going to die when they trade with uh, incendiary oracle certainly not annex so just keep that in mind and you know you were raging on what's it called nixborn colossus that's the three triple green six seven enchantment creature yes <laughs> that card that card is bad and and one of the reasons that card is bad and this is a, a truism for the format the more expensive the enchantment creature the worse it is since you open yourself up to being targeted by return to nature revoke existence mystic repeal which are all quite playable and quite main deckable revoke existence being probably the worst of those three um but they're all quite main deckable uh, especially certainly in best of one um and just you don't want to you don't want to be put in that position. So all those like derpy vanilla enchantment creatures just are, are their filler at best. Yes, completely agree. All right, sweet. Well, we're going to take a quick ad break and then we'll be back with a full 45. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. I have definitely experienced burnout and all of that, especially prior to this year when I was really largely unhappy in my my day job, as it were, as a band director, just hadn't really found the right fit at a school. So the school date was really draining for me as an introvert, as a teacher, just and that's still true, even though I'm very happy with my current job. But then doing that on top of coming home to the podcast and streaming, I had a real work life imbalance and probably still do to a certain extent, but I'm, I'm much happier in my current job and very happy with my life right now. But 
I've been very burnt out leading up to this year due to all of those factors coming together constantly, for sure. I mean, we associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feel burned out, and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. We at Lords of Limited believe that therapy is a part of a healthy, normal lifestyle, and BetterHelp provides that service in a stress-free way. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Lords of Limited listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Lords. That's BetterHelp.com Lords. And now, back to the show. All right, Ben. You got a full 45 roundtable for us here, yeah? I do. I guess it's not full 45, huh? I guess on arena it's the full forty-two. Full forty-two, yeah. That doesn't Weird. sound as that doesn't sound as good to me. No, I agree. <laughs> We're gonna say full forty-five. All right. Hashtag branding. <laughs> All right. Pack one, pick one. You sit down, you see the following cards as options. In the commons, there's Omen of the Sea, one in a blue enchantment flash. When ETBs you scry to draw a card. And like all the other omens, it has two in a blue, sacrifice it to scry two. Shout out to the cycle of omens. They are all way better than I remember them being. Yes, they're very good. That's the hand smoothing mechanic of the format, right? Just like having omens and then getting to late game sack them to scry two has felt so good. Like when my opponents have an omen or two sitting on the battlefield, I have this feeling of like, if we get to any sort of late game, I'm just screwed. And when I have them on my side of the battlefield, I feel great. Yes, the green one is significantly worse than the other four, I think. Yes, but if you are splashing in a green deck, I think it's totally serviceable. Yes, completely agree. Next up, we've got Lozum Chimera. Speaking of green, two and a green for the four one with escape for four and a green, and it escapes with a plus one plus one counter on it. It has escape three. In black, best black card in the pack is Blight Breath Catablepus. Four black black for a three two. When it ETBs, target creature and opponent controls gets minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is your devotion to black. If you're coming back to the format or you're maybe seeing that card for the first time, it looks like a Flame Tongue Kavu variant, and it Kind of is, but it's way less important than that. I mean, it's like a C, C plus, maybe in a heavy black deck. Pretty darn expensive. I was pretty traumatized earlier this week. If you're listening, opponent who had four of these back to back (laughs) against me, I did not love that game. (laughs) I have also lost a game to three back to back with Catablipas. But in general, it is not a premium card, I think. Correct. Moving on to the uncommons, we've got Banishing Light, two and a white for the enchantment. When it ETBs, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. And then our mythic rare, Wah Wah, Nyx Bloom Ancient, four <laughs> GGG for the 5-5 five, five trample. If you tap a permanent for mana, it produces three times as much of that mana instead. Yeah, this isn't even like a sweet build around in the way like Thassa's Oracle was, right? I I, I think there are like some things to combo with this, but I, I don't remember what they are off the top of my head. And I, it's not something that I'm like, ooh, want to try and do the thing with Nick's Bloom Ancient. I think I would just take take the adult pick here in Banishing Light. How close is Omen of the Sea with Banishing Light for you? Because it was kind of close for me. It is close. I think the tiebreaker is that I would rather start white than blue, but uh, that that's the tiebreaker there for me. Yeah. And I think worth noting that I do agree with what we said last week, which is that Banishing Light is worse than Dreadful Apathy, I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> is that because of uh, the blowout that happened in uh, in our game the other day? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's part <laughs> of it. I'm, I'm yeah. traumatized by that. But that sort of thing <laughs> happens, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
All right, so grab to pack one, pick one, Banishing Light. Moving on to pack one, pick two. You see the following cards as options. Best black card in the pack, Venomous Hierophant. Three and a black for a 3-3 Death Touch. When it's ETBs, put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. As I was drafting, I was remembering that this was kind of the line for me about moving into black. Like I wasn't going to move into black for Venomous Hierophant, but I would for Myers Grasp and Final Death. There's Sunmain Pegasus, three and a white for the two, three flying, one and a white gains vigilance and lifelink until end of turn. Certainly forgot that that said vigilance. Definitely started out just activating that mid combat a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, cards a house. It really is. There's also Pious Wayfarer, white for the one, two with constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. And then honestly, there's nothing else really in consideration for me. There's Uncommon Wise, there's Madomai's Prophecy, which looks like a sweet card, but is just worse than the blue omen. It's one oh, yeah. blue for a saga. Chapter one, you scry two. Chapter two, you choose a card name. Chapter three, when you cast a spell with a chosen card name for the first time this turn, you draw two cards. And then chapter four, you look at the top card of each player's library. It is just so slow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely too slow, I think. Not too slow, but but definitely worse than the blue omen. And the rare is still in the pack. It's Temple of Deceit, the blue-black temple. And our neighbor took an uncommon. So no real signaling information yet. Oh, I'm glad there's a temple in this pack because I do want to say... Play your temples when they touch one of your colors. I feel like people are, people are too scared of tap lands, I think. Like, scry one is very good attached to a land, and a tap land in your deck is not going to kill you. Yes, I agree. Um, but back to this pick, I think this is a pretty straightforward Pious Wayfarer for me, right? We have that as the second best white common, follows up your Banishing Light, and it's probably just the best card in this pack overall. Yes, I completely agree with all that, and I snapped it up here. So we've got a Banishing Light and a Pious Wayfarer. Moving on to pack one, pick three. See the following cards as options. There's Traveler's Amulet, one mana for the artifact. Sack it for one mana to search your library for basic land. Reveal it and put it into your hand, then shuffle. There's the Red Omen, Omen of the Forge, one in a red enchantment flash. Deals two damage to any target. And honestly, I think the pick is between those two cards. Again, we have Temple of Abandon, the red-green uh, dual land as our rare. And there's two uncommons missing, so no real signaling considerations here. You don't want to take the second best game in hand win rate common and triumphant surge three in a white instant destroy target creature power four or greater gain three life you know me big data gamer but <laughs> yeah uh, i'm gonna pass on that <laughs> yeah i think uh i think this is a a clear but sad omen of the forge not that like i think omen of the forge is bad but i would like to i, I don't know i would i would prefer to, to stay white here if i possibly could but i think you should take omen over the amulet yeah, I think this is really close for me. You were actually, I think, on stream when I was making this pick. Mm -hmm. And I was I was hemming and hauling and you nudged me towards the omen. I think left to my own devices, I would probably take Traveler's Amulet here, mostly because I have found in general when I have the opportunity to take Traveler's Amulets and I don't, I usually end up regretting it because there's so many powerful cards that you mm. do lose out on the opportunity to splash. I think if you don't end up with a Traveler's Amulet or two, because that's the only way to really do it in the format like there is not a lot of fixing so you have to put a premium on traveler's amulet if you want to have the option to splash so you think amulet's sort of like investing in the future of your draft because i agree if you like if you end up going into pack three and open a powerful bomb or get past a powerful bomb that's a single pip and you don't have amulets then you really can't take that card because you only have like six or seven picks to find the fixing that you need to splash that card so it doesn't impact your mana base 
Right. Yes, that's exactly how I feel about Traveler's Amulet. And I do think there's enough powerful cards that you are likely to see, you know, some busted black uncommon, like an Elspeth's Nightmare, maybe that you want to splash, or maybe just a final death, like you don't have removal and you want to splash a final death to exile something. There are opportunities, but I agree. Both picks are reasonable here. And I think going either way is fine. And I did take Omen of the Forge. And I think that's totally reasonable as well because it's got great synergy with Pious Wayfarer, right? Right. It's a flash enchantment, so you're going to get a trigger plus two damage to something, which is a combat blowout, as well as, you know, what we said last week, we don't have a powerful start to a draft, so you want to try to be aggressive. So I could, I think just whichever way you want to steer your draft is fine, and you just have to know what each card means for the future of your draft. Yeah, so I bullied Ben into taking Omen of the Forge here, pick three. <laughs> Moral of the story. <laughs> Moving on to pack one, pick four. See the following cards as options. There's the blue Omen, Omen of the Sea, Flash, ETBs, Scry 2, Draw card. And honestly, nothing else in the pack that I would consider. The white this cards like are like Rumbling Sentry, three white, white, three, six, ETB, Scry 1, black, Underworld, Charger, 2B, three, three, can't block, escape three for four and a black. And escapes with two plus and plus one counters. There's again another temple as the rare. And all three uncommons are still here. So three uncommons missing out of the pack, but there's still Wooberg commons. So we have no no signaling information really. Yeah. You, you didn't mention Heroes of the Revel, the four and a red, four four comes into play with a one one red satyr creature token, and it has the heroic text of whenever you target it, creatures you control get plus one plus oh until end of turn. I think that card is is fine, and it's what I would take here if Omen of the Sea weren't in the pack. Um, you know, it keeps you red, keeps you on path to draft a red white heroic aggressive deck, which I think is fine. Um, but I think Omen of the Sea is enough better that I would take it here. Yeah, I'm probably too low on heroes of the rebel i look at that as clunk central and it's probably a solid c plus in a red white aggro deck i think so i think that's what i'd give it so did take omen of the sea here over heroes of the rebel and again just trying to feel out what's open and where we want to go from here moving on to pack one pick five with the light the wayfarer and the blue and red omens see the following cards as options there's Traveler's Amulet. There's Thrill of Possibility. One in a red for an instant. As an additional cost to cast it, you discard a card, draw two cards. And then no really good commons other than that. And moving on to the uncommons, there's two good uncommons, but we're pretty far away from both of them being good. There's Rise to Glory, three white black for a sorcery. Choose one or both. Return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Return an aura card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you have to have both to get max value. And then Renata, called to the hunt. 2GG for a star three, power is equal to your devotion to green, and each other creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. Yeah. What do you think is the best card? Like if this was pack one, pick one, what would be your, your vote for best card overall? Renata, maybe, but I would still probably take Traveler's Amulet. <laughs> you are. You're in love with Amulet. That's so funny. I've not had the... Maybe it's because I haven't been drafting black and like maybe you're... But I don't know. When you've had black decks, it's been fairly uncontested for you. But I haven't been like splish splashing around outside of finding myself in green and getting some omens or whatever. Um, I really like Renata Calls of the Hunt and I might take it here. Like you could make a case for... Renata is not only the best card in this pack, but if you take it, it's the best card you've drafted so far. Um, and I think I would take that as a green signal here. Pick five. Wow, that is wild to me. I would take every single card we already have in our pile over Renata. <laughs> Whoa, why? Why so low on Renata? I just a green clunky four drop is not where I want to be in this format. Wow, that's uh, the clunky count is at two. I already, mean, already in this episode, not a great card. <laughs> I mean, it's powerful if it sticks on the battlefield and does the thing. I mean, it is 
kind of a problem. Maybe I'm too low on it, but I do not like that card much. It is powerful. Interesting. But, I think, <laughs> but not for you. All right. That's not fair. for me. Uh, this is where we, this is the first pick where we would diverge. I would take Renata here. Yeah. And I would take Traveler's Amulet pretty happily here, but I think you're going to be on to something. So yeah. moving on to pack one, pick six with a Traveler's Amulet instead of Renata, we see the following cards as options. And again, this is just a super weak pack. The only real cards that are you know, playable with what we have right now are Sunmain Pegasus, three and a white, two, three flying. Uh, you can pay one and a white to give it vigilance and lifelink. There's Karametra's Blessing. That's the protection combat trick we mentioned earlier. White for the instant, target creature gets plus two, plus two. And if it's an enchantment creature or an enchanted creature, it's hexproof and indestructible as well. And then there's nothing else. I mean, cards like Stern Dismissal, blue, bounce a creature and enchantment and opponent controls to its owner's hand. Nixborn Marauder, two black black for a vanilla 4-3. Nixborn Colossus, three GGG <laughs> for a vanilla 6-7. I mean, like the commons are just rough in this format. Yeah, but you get a diamond in the rough here, right? You get to take Sunmain Pegasus, which you're happy with. Yes, picked up Sunmain Pegasus quite happily here. And moving on to pack one, pick seven. The hits keep coming. <laughs> We've got weak pack central. So cards in contention here. Towering Wave Mystic, maybe. One in a blue for a 2-1. When it deals damage, target player puts that many cards from the top of their library into their graveyard. There's Nexus Wardens, 2G for a 1-4 with Reach. And Constellation, you gain two life whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield. There's Flummoxed Cyclops, 3 and a red for a 4-4 with Reach. Whenever two or more creatures your opponents control attack, Flummoxed Cyclops can't block this combat. And I think that's it. And those are not exciting. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, this you could I could take a ham sandwich out of this pack. I don't I don't care. I don't. <laughs> this pick does not matter. Yeah. So I took a Flummox Cyclops here, uh, three and a red for a four four and was thinking, OK, like maybe we're red, white beat down. So moving on to pack one, pick eight, we finally got some signals. We see the following cards as options. There's a few playable green cards in Nylia's Forerunner 4G for a five three trample. Other creatures you control have trample. And Hyrax Tower Scout, two and a green for a 3-3 when ETBs you untap target creature. But we've also got what may be the best green common. We'll have to see how the data shakes out. Um, Losum Chimera, two and a green for the 4-1. Escape for four and a green. Exile three cards. And it escapes as a 5-2. And then no other real cards in consideration. There's like a Glory Bearers if we want to stick with white. Uh, three and a white for a three four this is total filler whenever another creature you control attacks it gets plus oh plus one until end of turn yeah i mean you could take glory bearers to just get deeper into white but honestly after the banishing light pious wayfarer pick which were one two i haven't really felt like white has been open like yeah you got the late sunmain pegasus but i don't even know if pick six is like that late for that card that just felt good to get so i wouldn't do that and i think i would take the signal here like you don't have anything really drawing you to any particular direction you don't have a bomb that you like want to play no matter what so i think you know if, if green is open if this is a green signal and certainly following up the the late renata in my mind seeing this loathsome chimera along with two other green commons makes me say all right if this is pick eight i, I think i should should move in on this yeah you're way happier here if you have renata in your pile but i mean you're still taking loathsome chimera here regardless i think so yeah so took loathsome chimera pack one pick eight and boom Pack one, pick nine, wield Loathsome Chimera, which is awesome. So no white cards in the pack, no playable black cards, no playable cards in general, really. Like yeah. Nick, there's Nixborn Seaguard, two blue blue for a vanilla two five enchantment creature. That's probably the next best card behind Loathsome Chimera. So thrilled to see and wheel that here. Yeah, for sure. How does the rest of pack one round out for you? Okay, so we get this Loathsome Chimera on the wheel. So that's two Loathsome Chimeras. 
Pick 10, we get an Elysian carry added, which is 1G for a 1-1. You tap, add one mana of any color, and if you control a creature with power 4 greater, add two mana of any one color instead, which also plays super well with Loathsome Chimera because you can curve carry added into chimera and then on turn three your carry added taps for two mana to maybe let you play another two drop and you can get some really explosive starts that way yeah that's the best way to use carry added my memory of carry added was like basically by the time the dust settled in these grindy games it effectively felt like a mulligan because the one one body was just so irrelevant but that's the way to maximize it right is to have as many three mana four power creatures as possible yeah and then pick 11, we got a Nylea's Forerunner, which is 4G Ooh. for a 5-3 Trample. Other creatures you control have Trample, along with a Nylea's Huntmaster still in the pack. And then pick 12, Sea God Scorn, which is irrelevant. 4 Blue Blue Sorcery, return up to three creatures and or enchantments to their owner's hands. Like, definitely a playable card, but not pushing us towards blue at all. Mm-hmm. Pack 1, pick 13, we wield a Wings of Hubris, which, while not an outstanding card, if you're green-white is a card you want a copy of so that's nice to wheel here as well it's two mana for the artifact equipment equipped creature has flying it has an equipped cost of one and you can sacrifice wings of hubris to give the equipped creature and make it unable to be blocked this turn but then you have to sacrifice wings of hubris at the beginning of the next end step oh no you have to sacrifice the creature wow what a punishing card (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yep. So basically, you're winning the game when you use that. Exactly, exactly, yeah. You want, you're want you flying too close to the sun. That's the flavor there. So end of pack one, uh, what do we got? Three white cards, two blue cards, two red cards, four green cards, three colorless cards. And I think most people would look at this and be like, oh, God, what a train wreck. But like, you're in a fine spot here, right? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, it was a, a rough seat. Yeah. But, but like, imagine this in Streets of Nucopena. This would be a disaster, right? Like, right. Because you just can't play all of the color pairs together. We have so many options for what we can do from here on out. Like, mm-hmm. we're likely, I think, given the context of our, our deck and the picks we made, to be green-white. But we wouldn't have to be. We could very easily be green-red or green-blue. We could honestly still be white-red, although that didn't feel the most open to me. Mm-hmm. But there are a bunch of different options for what we could do from here. So going into pack two, what are you looking for, right? Like a lot of times, sometimes you're like, I'm looking for a second color or I'm looking for, you're probably not at a spot yet where you're looking for specific kinds of cards. But what are you looking for going into pack two? I mean, the, the biggest thing we need going into pack two is just a direction. Like we've not seen good enough cards yet to really commit to any one thing. I don't feel committed to any of the colors that we have yet, which is a weird place to be, but the packs were very weak. So that makes it difficult to get a read on signals that you're seeing and a read on what's open. And I think the clearest signals we got were the good late green, including the loathsome chimera wheeling and the Renata that we passed on. And I think we're likely to be green white, but we don't necessarily have to be. So we just want some good cards to say, hey, you should be doing this. All right, so let's see if we can find those going into pack two. First up, in the commons, we've got a Sentinel's Eyes, single white for the aura. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and has vigilance, and you can escape for single white exile two. Uh, there's a Lampad of Death's Vigil, one in a black enchantment creature. It's a one, three, and you can pay one to sack a creature. Each opponent loses a life, and you gain a life. That card has impressed me. That card is, I mean, I, I remember it being good, and it definitely is very good. Yes. Uh, there's another Elysian Caryatid if you wanted that. And then moving on to the Uncommons, you do have a pretty sweet one here in Archon of Falling Stars. Four white, white for a 4 4 with flying. And when it dies, you may return target enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, this is very good. There's two other cards here that really stand out to me that are good that we can't 
really taken Maximize, which is right. Gray Merchant of Asphodel, three black black for a two four, and it drains and gains equal to your devotion to black when it ETBs. And the rare in the pack is Thassa's Oracle, blue blue for a one three. <laughs> uh, when it ETBs, you will get the top X cards of your library, where X is your devotion to blue. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And if X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. Honestly, I think you could think about taking that here. We have an Omen of the Sea and we don't have a direction. It wouldn't be crazy if you wanted to have some fun and try to do something sweet to take Thassa's Oracle here. But I do think Archon of Falling Stars is the best card with what we've drafted so far and does kind of nudge us back towards green-white and give us a bit more of a clear direction. Yeah, for sure. I like the Archon pick here. Pack two, pick two. Uh, We get some really sweet commons here in white with a Pious Wayfarer. That could be our second copy of that. Or Dreadful Apathy, two and a white for the aura. Enchanted Creature can't attack or block. And you can pay two and a white to exile Enchanted Creature, which would also be your first, like, enchantment that will make its way to the graveyard with Arcana Falling Stars to get it back. That'd be pretty sweet. And then in the uncommons, there's Siona, Captain of the Pileas, one green-white for a 2-2. When it ETBs, you look at the top seven cards of your library, you may reveal an aura card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Whenever an aura you control becomes attached to a creature you control, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. Uh, there's a fateful end to in a red instant deal three damage to any target scry one if you wanted to dip back towards red white with your omen of the forge and there's rare still in the pack but probably not for you galia of the endless dance red green for a two two with haste other satyrs you control get plus one plus one and have haste and whenever you attack with three or more creatures you may discard a card at random if you do draw two cards and you might think like how many satyrs are there in Theros beyond that <laughs> there's enough that like galia is a good rare and a reason i think to be a green red beatdown. I agree. Yeah. All right. So for us here, I think it's between Pious Wayfarer and Dreadful Apathy, both great cards. And like Siona is appealing, but likely going to wheel. And I think, you know, another reason to potentially try to stay green white is that we're probably got a good chance to wheel a Siona. And I think I want Dreadful Apathy over Pious Wayfarer. Both would be good cards in the deck, but locking up the second removal spell here feels more important to me than having a second Pious Wayfarer, especially because we don't know how heavy white we're going to be yet. And Pious mm-hmm. Wayfarer really wants you to be heavy white. It wants you to be heavy white and wants you to be aggressive, right? Like, and I'm not saying that like a white green deck won't be aggressive, but it doesn't have to be, right? It can be a bit more grindy with escape or whatever. And I think important to note that Siona, while appealing, you actually don't have any auras yet. Yes, correct. So I think snapping up the apathy here is great. Pack two, pick three. Now we're seeing the good Theros Beyond Death Pack with just a bunch of junk. But <laughs> but you've got a good common to take here in Skola Grove Dancer. Was singing its praises earlier as the, the green two drop. There's another Nylea's Forerunner, but I definitely think you would take the, the two drop over it. There's a Flicker of Fate to pair with your Dreadful Apathy. This is the one on a white instant. Exile target creature or enchantment, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. And honestly, nothing else I think worth considering here. Yeah, this pack is just a total blank and we take Skola Grove Dancer. And again, like not thrilled about drafting green white, but I don't feel like we've had any other roots or any other cards push us in a different direction. And we were pretty open coming into pack two. I mean, if there's a bomb, if there's a black bomb, like we're abandoning ship and we're drafting green black probably. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Pack two, pick four. In the commons, you see a voracious Typhon. This is two green green for a four four, and it has escape for five green green, exile four other cards, and it escapes with three plus one plus one counters on it, so it comes back as a seven seven. There's another Sunmain Pegasus. There's an Omen of the Sun, two and white for an enchantment with a flash, and when it enters the battlefield, you make two one one white human soldier creature tokens, and you gain two life. 
And I guess that's it. There's a Clothis' design, which I want to talk about. Five and a green for an uncommon sorcery. Creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is your devotion to green. What, what is your memory of this card? My memory of this card was that I was higher on it than you in the crash course, and you had to talk <laughs> me down. Yeah. But I remember it being a viable alternate win condition in exactly this, like a green-white tokens deck like there is a card that lets you poop out a lot of uh one one white tokens equal to your devotion to white i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head reverend Hoplite, i believe yeah so i think there was a green white go wide kind of deck that didn't come together super often but you know siona also potentially made some one ones for you to go wide i think it is playable but very niche okay yeah that's my memory of it as well and i'm generally a lot lower on uh, those overrun effects than you what what do you like here i think in terms of best green card, I think it's obviously Typhon. And best white card, I think I would say Omen of the Sun over the second copy of Pegasus for you, though you could make a case for the second Pegasus. And I guess I don't know which, I, I feel like they're all sort of equal-ish. And I don't know, are you feeling like you're more white or more green at this point, or, or sort of e- solidly both? I feel like we're probably green-white at this point mm-hmm. with how the pack has gone. We've got two removal spells in white, which is super important. And we've got good beaters in green, which are the only other relevant Magic the Gathering cards we have at the moment. Mm-hmm. Right, so I, right. I think my my plan is to be like green, white, play some threats and see if our opponents have answers. Like the big dumb green things like Loathsome Chimera and Voracious Typhon pair super well with Wings of Hubris. We've already got a copy of that. There's another copy in this pack we could wheel. I'm just thinking I'm going to be a basic green, white, play some creatures, play some removal style deck. Makes sense. Yeah. So I think here we're going to diverge a little bit. I think I would land on Omen of the Sun personally. Yeah, I think that's fine. It's totally reasonable. Like there's good cards in uh, these cards are all very comparable. I couldn't fault anyone for taking one over the other. For sure. But we're going to follow with your pick here, which was Voracious Typhon. Totally fine. Gets a second four drop in the deck. Pack two, pick five. We get a Transcendent Envoy. That's one on white for a one, two enchantment creature with flying. And it says aura spells you cast cost one less to cast. There's another Elysian carry added. There's an Ilea's Huntmaster, 300 green for a 4-3 when it ETBs. Target creature you control gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is your devotion to green. And my goodness, what is this still doing in the pack? Hactos the Unscarred. Red, red, white, white for a 6-1. It attacks each combat fable. It enters the battlefield and you choose two, three, or four at random, and it has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. This was the beginning of the RNG. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, we were like, what is this? Little did we know, <laughs> whatever, Mecha Godzilla was coming, and then we were going to have dice rolling and AFR, like, my goodness. Yeah, I w- people were asking me about if there were cards I liked or disliked a lot when I was streaming last night, and I had forgotten about this card till I saw it in a pack, and I was like, oh, this card. I hated <laughs> this card, because like it was either great or atrocious. Like There was no in-between, depending on what number you rolled and what your opponent's deck was. Right. Sometimes you would roll two, and then you just had to attack into their derpy two-drop, and they would trade. And sometimes, whatever, you roll four, and they don't have anything. And and you can even like what I had the other day was I got to roll four. So I even got to put Aroas's blessing onto Hakdos to kill something and then got to attack in with it. It's a seven two. like, yeah, the card is wildly swinging, but very, very powerful. Yeah. So I think we're way far away from that here, though. There's no way we can take Hakdos. Yeah, probably not. I think, you know, honestly, had you taken omen over voracious typhon, like you could make a case you have the omen of the forge. But I think I would still even hedge towards like 
this feels like an outlier, like maybe people just don't understand how good it is type deal and how color committing it is or whatever. And green felt open at the end of pack one that I'd still lean on that. Is it that good? It's fine. It's not like absurd. It runs away with a lot of games. That's my that's my experience with it. Yeah. All right. So I took uh, Transcendent Envoy here as a white two drop over over Hactos over Carry Added. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. And again, like this is the kind of pick that you want to make. And it's why I I liked the Omen of the Sun pick as well is like, okay, I take Omen of the Sun and that makes my pious wayfarer better. And that gives me another potential uh, enchantment to get in the graveyard for Archon of Falling Stars. And that's the same deal with Envoy is like, well, I know I want this Envoy and I know I'm going to want some auras and auras that maybe can get in the yard for Archon or that'll trigger pious wayfarer or that maybe the Siona is going to wheel and that'll make that better. Like those are the things you want to be thinking about when you're drafting these decks that don't have obvious bombs. Yes, agree. All right, pack two, pick six. Wow, this is an awesome pack for you. There's another Loathsome Chimera, but I don't even think that's the best card for you here. You have two other awesome options, a second copy of Dreadful Apathy and that card you were just referring to, Reverent Hoplite, four and a white for a one-two. When it enters the battlefield, you make a number of one-one white human soldier creature tokens equal to your devotion to white. Yeah, this was a tough pick. And I think had I had I made some more white card picks, I would have leaned toward Reverent Hoplite here because I think in the abstract, Hoplite's ceiling is much higher than Dreadful Apathies. And there is that Clothes design that we could mm, wheel yeah. to pair with the Reverend Hoplite. But I think given the picks I made and how green we are after taking that Voracious Typhon, so I actually do kind of like your Omen of the Sun pick better there. I think the way the draft has panned out, it certainly would have worked out better. Mm. Um, but I did take Dreadful Apathy over Reverend Hoplite here because we are not that white at the moment to really maximize Reverend Hoplite. I agree. I, I, I also think, I mean, yeah, the ceiling on Hoplite is obviously better, but the ceiling on Apathy is pretty darn high and you don't have to work for it. And again, like I said, makes your Envoy better, makes your Archon better. I think we're likely to wield that Siona, especially given how good this pack two pick six is. I would definitely expect that green white card to wheel. So I like getting another aura there for her as well. Yes. And seeing this pack makes me think, okay, we found the right lane. Agreed. Agreed. Pack two pick seven. I think your choice is between a couple of interchangeable four drops in Nylea's Huntmaster or Glory Bearers. Which did you land on here? Landed on Glory Bearers just because it's I like the higher toughness and I like the fact that it combos with Pious Wayfarer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And we'll just uh, speed run through the rest of pack two here. Uh, pack two, pick eight. You get a Karametra's Blessing. Totally fine. Pick nine, Anilia's Huntmaster. Pick ten, ding, 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 ding. Siona, Captain of the Pylea's Wheels. So we get that green, white, uncommon. Uh, an Altar of the Pantheon, the Clothis's Design, the Overrun Variant Wheels, pick 12. And then just a couple of filler cards, pick 13 and pick 14. So where are we at at the end of pack two? At the end of pack two, I think we are locked into green white. And I think there's a lot that we need going into pack three. Ideally, I mean, we have a fine looking deck right now, but we're missing things to be like an effective deck. I think thing number one, we just need more good cards, right? We've got a lot of filler ish commons and no real premium game ending cards. I think our curve is a little lacking in the two drop slot. If you look at that, I mean, we've got Envoy, which is not the most synergistic in our deck at the moment. We've got carry added, which is, I think, our best two drop, ramping us into some good fours and combining with a loathsome chimeras to tap for a lot of mana. And we've got a Skola Grove Dancer, but we need more two drops and we need more effective two drops. I think we're definitely in the market for some Heliod's Pilgrims to search up our dreadful apathies. And we have the potential to splash some cards with Traveler's Amulet and Elysian Carry Added if we would so like to do that. So just to be on the lookout for cards that we might want to splash. And then the the biggest things I think we need are ways to fuel the graveyard because we are really escape hungry right now. 
with no ways to put things in the graveyard other than them naturally dying. And I think just card advantage in general. And that sort of goes hand in hand with ways to fuel the graveyard because a lot of your card advantage in green is getting to escape your things multiple times. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think that the top two things for me going into pack three, if this were my draft, would be two drops for sure. And I think more auras. You only have two dreadful apathies and auras are going to make a lot of things better like Envoy, Siona, Archon. So I think definitely on the lookout for more auras. All right. So pack three, pick one. We see the following cards as options. There's Myers Grasp. One and a black for the enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets minus three, minus three. There's Erois's Blessing. Three and a red for the aura. Enchanted creature you control. When ETBs, it deals four damage to target creature, or planeswalker, and opponent controls. And enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one. And then there's in the uncommons, Elspeth's Nightmare. Two and a black for the saga. Chapter one, destroy target creature and opponent controls power two or less. Chapter two, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-creature, non-land from it for that player to discard. And chapter three, you exile target opponent's graveyard. And honestly, I think those are the only cards in consideration here. There's Destiny Spinner as well. Maybe that should be in consideration. I think it one should, a, yeah. One in a green for the two, three creature and enchantment spells you control can't be countered. And it has the ability three green target land you control becomes an XX elemental creature with trample and haste until end of turn where X is the number of enchantments you control. It's still a land. Yeah, honestly, I don't know what I was thinking here. That should just be the pick, right? I think, well, so, so Ben has selected Elspeth's Nightmare here, which I think is defensible in the sense of it is clearly the most powerful card in this pack and as you said you have amulet and carry added so you can splash it but part of the power of elspeth's nightmare is it coming down on turn three like snapping off a two or drop or a three drop getting a removal spell out of their hand and then exiling their yard the later in the game you play Elspeth's Nightmare, the less effective it is, right? The less likely you are to have chapter one be impactful, to have a target from chapter two, etc. So I don't love it as a splash card. Like I think taking Meyer's Grasp on the splash is actually defensible here because again, we talked about wanting more auras, but I do think Destiny Spinner is the correct pick here. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was just in love with Elspeth's Nightmare. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> what was happening. Yeah, yeah Destiny fair. Spinner is a premium two drop and we need good two drops. Yeah. All right. So Destiny Spinner was the correct pick there. We took an Elspeth's Nightmare. Moving on to pack three, pick two. Boom, baby. Yeah. So no real commons in consideration here. In the uncommons, there's Entrancing Liar, which if you look at this and you think, eh, it's kind of clunky, kind of expensive, you're wrong. Card yeah, is card is great. I made the mistake of not main decking this in my red white aggro deck in the showdown against you that we uh, did on Friday. And you, when we looked at the decks afterwards, you were like, "Yeah, this should definitely be in your deck." And I was like, "You're right, you're right." And then it was outstanding. I was like, "Oh, I'm an aggro deck. I don't want this clunky removal spell." Yes, I do. Yes, I yes. do. Yeah, and it's not clunky. It's three mana artifact. It's kind of clunky if you're behind. But if you're at parity or ahead, this card is backbreaking. So it's three mana artifact. You can choose not to untap it during your untap step. You can pay X to tap it, tap target creature power X or less. It doesn't untap for its controller's untap step for as long as Entrancing Liar remains tapped. And it also has the benefit of not putting the thing in their graveyard for escape, which is super good. You can lock down escape creatures. And late in the game, if you have a lot of mana, It's essentially like an old school tapper where you're locking down two creatures while you're beating down your opponent Mm -hmm. because you can tap a thing, untap it, tap down another thing. Yep. Yeah. The card is great. But we've got an even better option for us in the rear slot. Mantle of the Wolf. Three and a green enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus four, plus four. And when this is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create two, two, two green wolf creature tokens. Not only... Is this going to be the best card in your deck when you take it here? But it also like checks off one of the boxes that you're looking for, which is more auras. Yes. And this is not necessarily always going to happen. But like if you think back to how our draft started, we started white cards, red card, blue card. We didn't get into green until 
pick, pick eight. seven, pick eight, pack one. Yeah. And we're getting paid off for finding the right lane. Now, are you always going to get paid off? No, but it is really nice when you read some signals and you get paid off. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So we nab mantle the wolf there. Moving on to pack three, pick three. Things are cooling off in a hurry. So basically only going to talk about green white cards at this point because I think we are definitely locked in. There's uh, Reverend Hoplite and that's about it. I think there's some other green white, <laughs> green white cards and glory bearers and Ilea's forerunner. But again, this is something you run into in Theros where there's just a lot of junky cards in packs. So Reverend Hoplite is that uncommon one two that makes one ones equal to your devotion to white. And now you get to pair it potentially with the Clothis's design. Now, it's a little awkward. There's some tension there, right? And having a card that cares about green devotion and a card that cares about white devotion. But you're kind of in a spot where you might be able to swing both. Yes. Moving on to pack three, pick four. See the following cards as options. There's Voracious Typhon, the 4-4 with Escape. There's Loathsome Chimera, the 4-1 with Escape. And there's Dawn Evangel, two and a white for a 2-3 uncommon enchantment creature. Whenever a creature dies of an aura you controlled was attached to it, return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, Dawn Evangel, I think, can be good in this style of deck sometimes, but when your auras are just dreadful apathies, it's kind of awkward, like it's not really going to trigger that very often. Um, what do you think about a card you haven't mentioned here, which is Moss Viper, the one mana, one, one death touch creature, just as like you, you kind of need some one or two drops in this deck. And it's a card that like goes to the graveyard for escape, kind of. I don't know. I remember Moss Viper being atrociously bad, like just atrociously dying to, bad. Yeah, like dies to Mogus's favor, just doesn't do anything. Oh. Oh, yeah. It doesn't pressure yeah. the opponent. I think that card is not good. Yeah, I guess X1 hate with Mogus's favor running around is is pretty rampant. So that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so what'd you land on here? I uh, landed on Typhon over the Dawn Evangel, and I think it's close. You could you could do either card. Yeah, I think Typhon's better in your deck right now. So I took the Typhon, moving on to pack three, pick five. Again, weak pack, and we're seeing some black after not seeing black in yeah. pack one at all. But I mean, there was no world where we could get into it in pack one. Believe me, if it was an option, I would have done it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but we see some black here in Final Death and Grey Merchant of Asphodel, both premium cards, as well as Hateful Eidolon, which is a little unassuming, but very powerful if you get good black decks. Uh, black for a 1-2 lifelink. Whenever Enchanted Creature dies, you draw a card for each aura. You controlled that was attached to it, so pairs super well with Myers Grasps, turns your Myers Grasps into cantripping removal. There's also a Dawn of Angel in the pack, which is not great. It's we don't have good two drops. If we had the Destiny Spinner, maybe I'd be more interested in the Dawn of Angel, but we don't have Auras either, like you mentioned, that are really right, gonna go yeah, to the graveyard. Yeah, you need like what's it called? Satessan training or whatever, Warbriar Blessing. You need things that are gonna be on your creatures or whatever. Or like Dreadful Apathy when it when the, the creature it's attached to is going to be exiled, it's not going to die. So you're just rarely going to trigger it. Right. So I actually took Final Death on the splash here. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, you've, you, I don't know if you're thinking about splashing the Elspeth Nightmare that you took, but you already have a black card that you're probably thinking about splashing. So taking the Final Death here makes sense. So you're not hard up for removal, right? You've got Banishing Light and two Dreadful Apathies. I mean, there's no such thing as too much exile removal in this format, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I agree. And how often have you heard that on Lords of Limited? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> uh, moving on to pack three, pick six, we get a voracious Typhon out of a super empty pack. No white cards and no other real playable cards. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, there's some blue cards, but nothing worth mentioning. And then pack three, pick seven, get again a chain web arachnir as probably the best card in the pack over incendiary oracle. This is green for the one, two with reach. When it ETBs, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature with flying and opponent controls. It has escape for three GG to exile four other cards from your graveyard, and it escapes with three plus one plus one counters back on it. So it comes back as a, a four five with reach, which is a super impactful body. But again, like right now, if we pause, we have a lot of escape. So yeah. Arach- arachnir two chimeras and three typhons and no way to fuel them other than our lone scola grove dancer so that is definitely a weakness of our deck there is some tension in the number of escape creatures you have because once you have a certain amount like they don't really have escape anymore because the choking point is the actual number of cards that you can get into your graveyard yeah for sure so took the arachnir here pick three so took the arachnir here pack three pick seven uh moving on to Pick eight, pick up an Elysian carry added, which is good because we need two drops and we're potentially splashing this Elspeth's Nightmare and Final Death. That's the one one that can tap for any color mana and then adds two if you control a creature power four greater. Mm-hmm. Pack rounds out on pick nine. We get a Clotha's Design again on the wheel. Uh, Anilia's Forerunner pick 10. That's a 5-3 trample. Another Anilia's Forerunner pick 11. Pick 12, we wheel a third Loathsome Chimera, which is kind of absurd. Um, yeah. I mean, green was definitely the place to be. Our deck's just not great because green's not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's 2G for the 4-1. And then, yeah, no- nothing else really worth mentioning. So how did you end up building this? Because you've got a lot of options, I think, right? You can lean into doing a, a green devotion thing with the Clothis' design if you want, or white devotion with Reverend Hoplite, or neither. Um, wh- where did you land on? Yeah, ended up splashing both black cards uh played the elysian carry added traveler's amulet and two swamps um and then ran 16 lands which is a little awkward because that's kind of like 19 mana sources almost like i do think you kind of count elysian carry added as a land in the format because flooding is so disastrous with escape but i think ultimately our deck is is fine like we have three chimeras three typhons we have the wings of hubris to put them in the air we have some removal spells i mean like we've got good threats and we've got good answers i mean that's like about the best thing you can say for the deck i mean it's a a very basic very boring deck here i ended up not leaning into the clothes design plus reverend hoplite package i thought that was just too cute rather than good yeah i think that's fair i think your best path here is is just you know getting some some beefy creatures on the battlefield maybe getting them in the air with the wings of hubris and just beating down you know nylia's forerunner also pairs really well with your your large power creatures right giving them all trample is nice too yeah this deck is like not exciting but i really do feel like i mean save for a couple spots there i was pick for pick with you and i think that was just a tough draft and you really found like a lot of diamonds in the rough there in terms of okay this pack has a bunch of junkers but i'll take this card and it's gonna make my deck yeah and i think the deck definitely would have been better with a destiny spinner that was just a missed pick on my part and i think if you look at the things we were looking for the things that we didn't find in pack three were ways to fuel the graveyard or ways to get card advantage the deck is just very straightforward play some creatures attack with my creatures play some removal spells and we only have the one rare in mantle of the wolf Mm -hmm. so i think kind of low powered and not super aggressive which is not a great place to be but i don't know that we had a lot of other options yeah, it's, it's, I guess it is sort of mid-range, right? With the like just ramp to your, you know, four or five drops as the plan. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Any final thoughts on the format before we go here? Any any memories <laughs> came back flooding with the drafts this week? No, I, I was struck by this is a very unique format in that this was the last set 
that you couldn't draft with humans, right? The next set was Akoria, and that's when they introduced human drafts on Arena. And so this was the format we were still playing on Magic Online, like before we started making the shift over to Arena to play full-time there, I think, mostly. Um, and uh, and I think it's like the last set where we're going to have an edge in that respect in terms of, you know, there's not a lot of data out. We were drafting it a lot, and people were drafting against bots, and so like their ideas of the format are slightly warped, etc. Um, so that was just just an interesting reflection. But no, I, I, I've been enjoying the format, surprisingly. Yeah, I think the thing that stands out to me about Theros is that it's a very unique format. I don't know that we've had another format quite like this where it's rare driven, but that the commons are super weak, but that there's also the tools at common. Like there are cards that are good. They're just not classically good commons, if that makes sense. Like something like Thrill of Possibilities, a good card in the format if you do the right things. There's a lot of ways to make mediocre looking commons into good commons and learning how to do that was a really cool part of the format that we just didn't do very well the first yeah, time around <laughs> yeah not a lot not a lot of like build arounds but a ton of synergistic cards and a ton of cards or decks that can be greater than the sum of their parts yes absolutely so theros beyond death i i humbly apologize <laughs> for giving you a bad reputation the first time around i was wrong you were right you're great yeah, love you. All right. On that note, thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you over there. You can check us out streaming. Ben is still on summer break, baby. He is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. I savaged Dream Trawler last night with my uh, thought. I savaged Dreamgate. Wait, what's it called? I'm so excited <laughs> to tell the story. <laughs> Dream, it's just Dream Trawler, not Dreamgate Trawler. Dream no, Trawler. there's no gates. No gates. <laughs>